Here in the seventh inning, the Yankees are trailing 2-0. That is the key man. Hit high in the air to left field. Going to the corner, Yaspinski. It's over the wall. It's a home run for Bucky Dent. Yankees get the lead 3-2. Deep to left, Yastrzemski will not get it, it's a home run! A three-run home run for Bucky Dent, the Yankees now lead it by a score of three to two. Boy, the last guy on the ball club, you'd expect to hit a home run, just hit one into the screen, Bucky Dent. Hi everyone, I'm Bucky Dent. Welcome to this week's episode of Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. We have a really special guy on this week. He, we're both linked together because of the big game in 1978, and I'm talking about Mike Torres. Uh, class guy, a humble guy, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. And we've been friends for a long, long time. And along with me is Al Santaseri and John Schwartz. And I can't wait to talk to this guy because he's nothing but class. This could be a fun one, man. I'm excited to talk to you. How you doing? Doing great, man. I can't wait to talk to Mike because he's just been a, a really tremendous friend for for so many years. Yeah, you know, I, I am too. I've had the opportunity to interview both of you guys about that moment, both of you guys about the 77 season separately. It's pretty cool to have you both on the line at the same time and 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 have the opportunity to hear you guys talk about history together. I have to say, Al, when I was uh, doing some research for this conversation, I uh, went to the bastion of, you know, reliable internet research, Wikipedia. And I don't know if you know this, the uh, very first reference on that site, on, on Mike Torres's page, is your conversation with him from 2017 when you guys did the story about the 1977 championship. So you, you are a trusted source when it comes to Mike Torres. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that's pretty cool. Well, we are linked together forever because we played in one of the greatest games that was ever played in that 1978 one-game playoff. So let's get to it. Let's get Mike on the line and let's talk some baseball about uh, those great years. Mike, good to have you on, man, with Al and John. Hey, oh, Al and John and Bucky. How are you holding up down there in Tampa? You're playing a lot of golf, I hear. That's all really that's all there is to do. It, it's it's so good to have you on, man. And, you know, we were talking. There's a lot of people, uh, even Angie didn't know when, when I first met her, my wife, you know, that, uh, you know, that we're, we've been good friends for a long time because people forgot that we played together. You right. Know, they, when right. we talk about Mike Torres and Bucky Dent, you know, they think about the, the 78 game. But, you know, we played together in, in 77. If it wasn't for you in 77, we probably wouldn't have won the the World Series because you got traded over in, uh, from Oakland. And I'm telling you what, you pitched some fabulous games for us. Uh, what, what was your feelings? I mean, were you excited to come to the Yankees? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was with Oakland, not there with Charlie Finley and uh, that crazy group. And uh, I tell you, there was a lot of uh, craziness going on there because that's when uh, Charlie had traded like seven of the main players that we had on the team. And, uh, you know, it was like, it was crazy because we don't know what knew what was happening. And, uh, and then, uh, Buey Kuhn came back and, uh, made, uh, Charlie take all the players back, voided all the trades. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was crazy, but I was happy to come there. I'll tell you, because, uh, Charlie at the time was offering me, you know, he called and asked me if I'd take a three-year contract at a hundred, hundred and a quarter and 150, I went, no, are you kidding? Because free agency was just starting for us. And uh, I was, 
looking at what Messersmith and Catfish and those guys have gotten. And I said, no, I'll hold off. I'm not going to say, well, if you know, you don't want to accept it, I have to trade you. And I said, okay, well, you can trade me. And then about a half hour later, he calls. I, we were in Anaheim. And uh, Joe Romo, the trainer, calls me over. I was sitting in the lobby. And he said, Mike, uh, Charlie wants to talk to you. And, I, and then when I was walking over to the phone, I said, oh, in my mind, I was saying, oh, I guess I got traded. And then uh, sure enough, yeah, he says, well, you know, I'm trying to, trying to keep you, but you don't want to accept my offer. So I, got, I made a trade for you. And I said, oh, okay, where, where to, Charlie? Uh, you're going to the Yankees. I go, oh, well, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great feeling because I tell you what, when I got traded over there and I was going from a team that lost a hundred something games and, and I was going to, to my favorite team because I was always a, a, a Yankee fan. Uh, who was your, who was your favorite team when you were growing up? You know, I grew up in the Midwest in Topeka, Kansas and St. Louis, the Cardinals were really the team that I loved. And of course, yeah, I ended up signing uh, with the Cardinals uh, out of high school in 1964 and kind of interesting because, you know, I, uh, Branch Rickey, he worked me out at the old Bush Stadium when I went to try out for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I was pitching an American Legion ball at the time. In Topeka, we had a, a, a high school, probably about 3,000 students. They had a big high school, but we didn't have any baseball. And I didn't even pitch in high school. And the only time I ever pitched was really my last year in American Legion ball when I was a senior because uh, there was a pitcher that the father was manager, his son. He always pitched his son every game. And I know my dad used to ask me, did I pitch? I said, no. And, you know, for two years, I, uh, from probably the time I was a sophomore and a junior in high school, I did not pitch in high school but and also a senior in high school, but I did pitch in American Legion. I think that saved my arm. Uh, so – it was funny that like tell people that I never pitched in high school and uh, you know, things happened all at once. So I ended up signing with the, the Cardinals. Well, I was, a, that was the last year of free agency and uh, they drove us out. My dad, my brother and Marion McDonald, the scout that uh, was at Washburn university there in Topeka. Uh, he was a baseball coach, drove us out to St. Louis and branch Ricky worked me out. And it was really something. It was a hot September day, and uh, it was, uh, you know, in that old stadium, you could really uh, – had a lot of – with Stan Musial, and I remember, you know, all the players that were playing with the Cardinals back then. 64, that's when the Cardinals beat the Yankees in the World Series. So it was, mm. it was really something. When you joined the Yankees, um, you, you didn't get put in a rotation right away. I mean, you, you came out of the bullpen a lot, didn't you, if I remember? It was funny because – at that time, my ex-wife, Danielle, was pregnant and was having a baby. And then when I got traded, you know, I was kind of tired of getting traded all the time. I was kind of a little ticked off. So I flew to Montreal. And if you remember, everybody was looking for me. They couldn't find me. Well, my uh, wife, ex-wife, was having a, a baby, my son, Yannick, in Montreal. And I stayed in Montreal, and no one knew where I was at. And then uh, finally, I guess they, they found out that I was in Montreal and because uh, Billy had said in the papers he's going to start finding me $500 a day. <laughs> so I, I said, we didn't make that much money in a day. <laughs> no, I <then>. know. <laughs> so, 
I said, well, I mean, uh, still, I was still hardheaded. And I said, the hell with it. I'm not, I'm not showing up until they give me a contract or something and sign me and blah, blah, blah. So ended up showing up and no, I, they put me right into the rotation. And I, I of course I was struggling the first couple starts and that, and, and to make a story, you know, uh, George, uh, I, I pitched against Detroit. And if you remember, you were, you were playing shortstop, Bucky. I don't know if – but Billy, uh, Tito Fuentes was coming up. He was killing us. He's hitting like 800 against our pitching staff. And yep. I don't know. Billy must have hated Tito Fuentes. But anyway, when I was pitching that particular game, I had a good game going after about three innings. And then he's hollering at me. He came up to bat, Tito, and he hollered. Billy's hollering at me. Hit him. Hit that son of a gun. I go, I'm looking at the dugout. I'm going, what the hell does he want me to hit him? He's my out man in this line. Right. You know, I guess he, Billy, remembered that he was killing us, our pitching staff. I mean, he, uh, Tito was, like I said, hitting 800 against our pitching staff. And I said, hell, he's my out. So I ended up hitting him. And then and Tito's hollering at me and he's hollering at Billy and that, you know, he's racist and, you know, you don't like Latin players and the blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Tito's hollering at me and I said, Tito, just be quiet. Go to first. <laughs> <laughs> so it ended up messing up my game, my concentration, and I got knocked out. I think they, and then he went ahead on the run. I was really upset, and I came and tore the clubhouse up. And I got dressed, and I left. And Lord and behold, I'm waiting for the elevator. If you remember, down there used to be downstairs. I was going upstairs to go to the parking lot and get out of there. So who opens when the door opens up? It's George. George comes out and asked me, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? You know, I traded three guys to get you. And go, well, yeah. I said, but hell, Billy, uh, George, I said, Billy has a problem here. I said, he has like seven or eight starters. You remember that, you know, we had all the starters and, you know, I, I was pitching every seventh or eighth day, you know, over a week. And, you know, I was not used to that. I was pitch, used to pitching every third or fourth day, you know, when I was winning the games in Baltimore and in Oakland. And he said, well, you know, all right, well, let me go talk to Billy. I'll go talk to Billy. So anyway, Billy calls me in the next morning. He said, why did I go up to the office? And he was screaming at me. And I, and I screamed back at him. And I said, oh, ho, oh, oh, Billy, God darn it. And I said, uh, um, those are the kind of words that I was saying. But I, <laughs> I was saying a little bit more to him. I said, listen, God darn it. And I said, uh, you know, I came here to pitch. And I said, hell, you don't even know who's pitching and who's what. And I said, hey. I've been used to pitching, give me three days rest and pitch me the fourth day and I'll do the job. So I've been waiting here after a week pitching. I said, I'm not that type of pitcher, man. I got I to gotta get the ball and go. Well, and I said, I didn't go up to George's office. I told him the story. I said, he came down the elevator. I was leaving. The elevator door opened up and I told him, you know, what I felt. Uh, and so he said, I guess he went to talk to you. I said, well, yeah, he did. Yeah, you know. So anyway, he says, Billy says to me, all right, you're starting the next three days from here. I said, okay, give me the ball. I'll be ready. So he pitched me, uh, and that's when I won seven straight complete games. Well, you know, I, it, it actually makes me wonder a little bit. You, you hear a lot in the NBA these days about something that they call load management, where, you know, they're trying to keep players from overexerting themselves during the regular season to keep them ready for the late game. I don't know if this was necessarily Billy's idea, but as you look at those seven complete games, is there any part of you wondering if it had been the lack of usage that led up to that that made you so effective over that streak? Yes and no, I guess. But you know what? Mentally, I was prepared to pitch sure. every uh, three days rest and pitch the fourth day. And that's the way, you know, uh, with the rotations that I came from in Baltimore, 
with Palmer and I, I was pitching every fourth day, him and I. And of course, so I got used to it. And but I knew me and I knew I was when I had too much rest, I was too strong and probably overthrowing. And Bucky, you were behind me on a lot of all the games that we played when we won those games. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had a great streak. And in fact, uh, Sparky Lyle came to me at the end of the season and, and thanked me. And I kind of looked at him. And I said, you looked at him for what? He said, Mike, if you didn't pitch those seven straight complete games, I knew when you got in that streak, I was going to have a day off. And I said, you saved my ass that that year, you know, and that's when he wanted to sign young. And I said, right. you know, I knew I knew I had a day when you got in that streak, when you won those seven straight. And he thanked me. He said, I want to thank you because I don't I, I, I won Cy Young. And I don't think I would have if I would have had a pitch and come in for you. But you were you got in such a great streak that I knew I had an off day. I had my coffee. I relaxed out in the bullpen and got ready in case they needed me the next day. Billy had a history of letting starters go. I mean, catfish. I mean, I don't remember. He pitched like 20-something complete games in 75, I think it was. But Billy had no problem letting starters go. But, I mean, to pitch seven complete games in a row, I mean, that just jumped off the paper when I was looking at it. I said, seven complete. You don't hear guys pitch a complete game in a month. (laughs) Yeah. Back then – it was something that in your mind, you knew that you could do it once you did it. You know, once you went nine inning, because uh, my first start in the major leagues and with the Cardinals, I was beating the Atlanta Braves two to one. And then Red Shandy, after the seventh inning, uh, took me out. And Del Maxwell, our shortstop back then, comes over to me and, and says to me, hey, Rook, let me tell you something. Next time, don't let nobody take that game away from you tell red you wanted to finish it and i said well he didn't ask me he just took me out i know but he said get your mind ready go nine innings that's the only way you win in this league <laughs> i said okay <laughs> so it was that was the mentality that you know we came up in the major leagues and you know what the thing is when you win all those games and of course you know you get a little tired but you learn how to pitch you know right. toward the eight late innings you know bucky sometimes you don't throw as hard but you're hitting your spots you're changing speeds you're throwing the curveball, you know, you're getting hitters out. And then you get into the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and a lot of guys used to say you were throwing better the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings than you were earlier. Well, that's because I got a little bit loose and I got, you know, everything relaxed and everything uh, came together. And uh, right. yeah, it happened a lot. You know, you guys were um, obviously have been friends for a long time. And I think the, the friendship – after the uh, game in 78 is certainly fascinating, but I, I'm, I'm certain that, you know, the foundation of that friendship was obviously forged in 77. People always talk about you remain friends with the people you win with forever. Right. You know, for both of you guys, tell me, if you would, you know, what it was like being teammates with each other that year and some of the times that you guys, you know, shared together and, and what that was like, obviously, before you know, Mike left? Well, for me, you know, I mean, I tell the story all the time, you know, as a kid, your dream is to play in the World Series. And my dream was to play for the Yankees. And and I always tell the story. One of the greatest feelings I've ever had ever was standing at shortstop game six with Michael on, on the mound and two outs and looking around going, we got one more out and we're going to be world champions. And that's what you play your whole life for. 
And then, you know, he threw a pitch and Lacey popped the bun up, you know, and then I'm going, okay, am I going to run to the mound and jump on him or I'm going to run for my life, you know, <laughs> but I'll never forget that moment. And that was one of the biggest moments and biggest highlights in, in my career to talk about Mike. I mean, he got us there. I mean, he, he came in and, uh, game five and like the third inning for Gidrew or down three to one and he pitched five in the third innings and then you completed what two games in the world series yeah yeah I mean you you pitch you pitch in big games I mean and uh but the, you know that year was a, was really a special year because it was both of ours first world championship yeah yeah because you know the Yankees hadn't won anything uh, in uh 16 years I believe Bucky and you know Right. Uh, it was just, I mean, it's just like we coming out of it. As a kid growing up, you, you used to see and we listened to the World Series uh, back then on the radio and, you know, in the rooms, the, uh, the teachers used to put the, the games on during the World Series and, and the intercom and we could hear the games. And it was it was unbelievable. And just the dream of being in one and pitching in one. God, it's just like what you just said. It was one of the most fantastic feelings that anybody can ever have it was like in cloud nine once i caught that pop-up that lee lacy did it was like wow it felt like i wasn't even on the ground i was like unbelievably high you know with the feelings right. and the crowd all around you coming going crazy it was and then uh, the chaos that happened <laughs> we were all running into the clubhouse everybody's hollering and you know right. it was just one of the best feelings that as as for a baseball player to have and it's a dream because a lot of great great players never got to a world series you know yeah there's a lot of guys there's a lot of guys i mean you know you could say you've been in one and i've been in two actually three i didn't play in 81 cuz i was hurt so the two of you obviously had pretty great seats for one of the greatest World Series performances in history. You're watching Reggie hit these three home runs, and it's not in a vacuum. You know that this is the game that you're trying to clinch the World Series in. So these are meaningful. These are huge moments. What are you thinking one, two, and three as it happens each time? And Mike, you know you need to go back out there and finish pitching, but Reggie's got your back, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, I was happy. I mean, I was out there pitching, and... Uh... You know, and then I was saying, they're probably going to vote him MVP. I should get MVP. <laughs> so, in fact, Reggie, old timer's day game uh, a couple of years ago says to me, Mike, ah, I didn't realize, yeah, you pitched two complete games in World Series. We could have, should have been MVP, co MVPs. I said, well, go tell the press that, Reg. <laughs> He's still yeah. laughing. And to tell you the truth, I could have been the GOAT in that game because I, I don't know if you remember, I think it was a third inning that uh, I think Reggie Smith hit a ball to me and I backed up to get a long hop and I slipped in the grass. That was the first and inning, I, Buck. Oh, the first inning. Oh, yeah, I thought it was a third, but it was the first. Yeah, I slipped and I dropped the ball. And right. it, was the, it was the first time that I had lost, you know, where I bent down to pick up the ball and I went, oh my. God, I just made an error in the freaking World Series. And then, <laughs> then I think Garvey doubled, didn't he? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. He had a double, and they wound up scoring. Well, they scored two runs. runs in the first inning. and uh, you Yeah, know, two and, runs. And I remember helped. running off the field, running in the dugout, sitting down, going, I could have just cost us the World Series in game six. I was, like, reeling there for – and then Reggie went, went off and hitting the three home runs. And, and that stadium was absolutely electric. Yeah. Oh, man. It was the, you could feel it was like uh, lightning, you know, you can hear the stomping of the feet in that stadium. Remember how it used to feel? Like, boom, boom, mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. 
yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was a great feeling that old stadium. It was uh, you know a lot of rocking going on there. A lot of lot of lot of great feelings there, but it had to be a tough decision for you to leave New York to go to Boston. I know it was all strictly dollars and cents. Well, but- back then, you know, yeah, because this when in, the the Red Sox ended up offering me a seven year guaranteed contract, which I ended up signing only because I didn't know how many more years actually I was going to pitch. I mean, I never had honestly, I never had a sore arm, so I was fine. And uh, you know, I pitched all seven years. Uh, of, my, of the remaining years of my contract, I pitched all the way up to uh, age 37. And, uh, you know, I, the Yankee, Gabe Paul at that time, the GM, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, he never really saw him, never had any conversation with him back then. They never really said anything to us, you know, uh, like right. they probably do today, you know, to come and talk to the player, or at least call you in the office and what's your feelings. I never got, they never called me in. And I, uh, Gary Walker, who was my agent at that time, who was also Reggie's agent. You know, Gary Walker was a guy from Arizona that never flew. So I had to wait like three or four days because he would get on a uh, RV and come cross country to negotiate. And it was like, God darn, why is it taking them so long? So I was, <laughs> I was, you know, caught in the crosshairs because, yeah, I wanted to stay with the Yankees. And I think what the Yankees only had offered me was a four-year contract. And I said, well, hell, that, in the extra three years, I, you know, something happens. And right. they had guaranteed me the seven years, the Red Sox. So, you know, I was in uh, – I said, well, shoot, I might as well take that instead of taking four years. And, and you know, back then, it was it, it, I didn't know what really the Yankees wanted to do. So, I mean, uh, I ended up going with the Red Sox. But you know what? It, it, baseball is baseball. I mean – you once right. you're in the major leagues, I don't care what team you're with, you you're still competitive. You want to win. Uh, you know, I know that you know I had a, the greatest feeling in the world with the Yankees, but then when they go to the Red Sox, you know, you still have that pride. You know, you still want to beat everybody. I don't care where you go or what team you go to in the major leagues. You want to win. You know, I uh, I don't want to come out of there uh, losing, but. Uh, you know, that's the way it is, and, and then that's the way I felt, and that's why I went to the, the Red Sox. And uh, it, it's kind of weird that I signed a seven – I was there five years, and then they ended up trading me the last two years to the uh, Mets in uh, 83 and 84. So, yeah, I guess you don't, you don't look back at it and just say, hey, you know what, I was in the major leagues 18 years, and, you know, I, who, who, could, who could argue? <laughs> you know absolutely and pitching 18 years and never having a sore arm i mean you know yeah. those are some pretty pretty doggone good genes i still felt i could have pitched a couple more years wow. but back then they you know they were not keeping guys uh you know up in the upper 30s and that you know it was like oh well you know it, the game yeah. changed like this today yeah. they're keeping guys you know in the 30 40 year old guys just to help the the you know back then they had you know, four or five starters in each team. Right. Well, when you went to the Red Sox, how did, how did they, you know, did they welcome you with open arms, you know, because the, the rivalry was so intense, you know, yeah, I mean, back then. Yeah. The Yankees and then now going to the Red Sox, you know, I mean, was it kind of frosty going in there at first until they got to know you? I mean, yeah, it was kind of a weird feeling, you know, knowing that uh, we, we just got through beating them and we were competing against them all year in 77 and, yeah, no, I, they kind of a weird feeling, but uh, but I'll be honest with you, 
ever since uh, my last year, I've never been to Fenway Park back. I mean, other than they invited me one time. <laughs> so it was kind wow. of weird. Yeah, never been. That is, wow, that that's amazing. I mean, last, one time I was talking to you, they hadn't even invited you back at all. So, no. I mean, at least they did did get, get to invite you back. And, and I think that's a shame. Because, yeah, you know, I want 60 games there for them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you were you were good, a great pitcher, but '78, you know, we fell so far behind. But as we started to catch up, you know, what was what was the feeling like with with, with Boston? Did they say, "Oh crap, well, here they come"? Here, here's the story: uh, We're in Seattle, and this is when Bill Lee got uh, taken out of the rotation. He and I we were at the hotel. We're catching. We got in a cab going to the to the stadium from the hotel in Seattle, and Bill Lee says to me, Mike. It's kind of weird that uh, Rogers, who was our traveling secretary, because he was supposed to pitch the first game back in Boston right before the All-Star break. So he and I, and I said, yeah, that's weird. How come they usually fly you out, don't they, Bill? He said, yeah, well, you know, they always fly us out a day before if we're going to pitch. That way you get our rest, <laughs> he says. He starts laughing. To get your rest, huh, Bill? He says, yeah. So anyway. We get to the stadium, we get dressed, and Zimmer, who was our manager at the time, sitting on the bench watching uh, Seattle, some of their hitters hit. So if you remember, in the dugout, it had a kind of a, a little high ceiling. You could hang on the, on the dugout and stretch. Well, Bill Lee went up right in front of uh, and Zimmer and was hanging, and he says, Zim, uh, Rogers hasn't given me my ticket uh, to get you know fly home because we weren't going to get home till like 6 in the morning where he could have gotten the flight and gotten home like around 1 o'clock to get his rest. So anyway, <laughs> Zimmer gets up. He says, you ain't going to patch nothing. Yeah, right, right. I said, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What the hell's going on here? Oh, what you? And then uh, Bill Lee asked him, well, what are you talking about? Oh, go, if you want, go ask Buddy LaRue and uh, Haywood Salt. You're not pitching that. I go, I'm listening to this, and I'm going, wow, what the hell's going on here? So apparently that's when Bill Lee called him Buffalo Head and uh, oh, Gerbil. Yeah. Gerbil. Gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he, they, he was, he, Zimmer was really pissed, though. I guess he just uh, took him out of the rotation. And I'll be honest with you, Bucky, that's a reason I think that we lost that year. It took us out of the rotation. But Bill Lee could pitch, and he knew how to pitch. And even though he was a little goofy and, you know, outspoken, he knew how to pitch and knew how to pitch in Fenway for a left-hander. And, right. uh, you know, he, he was tough. He won, he had won like eight games already in the first half of the season for us. And the guy, the guy that replaced him didn't win a game, did he? Yeah, no, he came in uh, for six starts, I think. Uh, never won a game for us. Uh, maybe wow. even seven starts. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, that's where I think we've lost the division, you know, title that year. Cause you know, we were going pretty good. Tion, Dennis Eckersley, myself, and uh, we had spot starters and uh, Bob Stanley. Uh, of course he was a long reliever, but he, they spot started him at times. Uh, they had Bobby Sproul, I guess the kid that they brought up who never right. won, never won the game. Uh, but that's the, yeah, that's the way it was. I mean, that's, I think when he took Bill Lee out of the rotation, that did mess up our rotation. It kind of uh, it kind of messed us up for the second half of the season. Bucky, when you talk about when you hear Mike talk about those names on that roster and, and how good that Red Sox team was, 
you know, it, it, that was a heck of a team, needless to say. Um, and you guys obviously had a lot of ground to make up. How did you view that that Red Sox team and the, and the pitchers that they had that, you know, you guys obviously had to face a lot in September and, and then ultimately in October, you know, in, in the one game. But what were the conversations you guys had about the Red Sox and, and all that talent up there? Well, the one thing that, that, you know, for us was we were hurt. You know, we had some catfish was hurt. You know, I missed 40 games with my leg. Um, I think Rivers was hurt. And there was a couple other guys. We were banged up and they were just flying along playing 750. But, you know, when we started to get everybody healthy, and I think one of the keys was, was Catfish coming back because Gidry, we knew, was going to win every five days. And then we, you know, we had Figueroa, you know, a couple other guys who were in the rotation. And when Catfish came back, then we started to put together the winning streaks. We started to win three out of four, four out of five. And as we started to put those winning streaks, Boston started to get banged up a little bit. Yeah. And so got a little bit closer you know every week we get a little we were we wanted to pick up one game a week till we got to September because we played them seven times and we felt like if we could get to September and we were close that we had a chance to catch them and that's actually what happened but the Red Sox lineup you talk about uh, a power lineup I mean they they had some great players yeah but the thing about it is you know we we got close to them and we went in early in September and was called the Boston Massacre. And actually Bill Lee was talking about that. He pitched, I I think he came in relief twice, four innings he pitched and then five innings. And he didn't give up a one run. And he said they still didn't put him back in rotation. So, but, you know, I remember, you know, the Boston Massacre and, uh, you know, us going in there. And after we swept them four, we we were tied. But, uh, you know, the the last three weeks of, of that season was like, Wow. (laughs) Every day looking at the scoreboard. Every day. And don't let anybody tell you they don't ever look at the scoreboard to see who's winning because that's a lie. I mean, we looked up there all the time to see if Boston was winning and if we had to win. Last couple weeks of the season, yeah. It was great. Yeah. No, we had – honestly, we had, like I said, the the lineup we had. Actually, we won the coin toss uh, to play. And Haywood Sullivan – and you know what? We were built – for Yankee Stadium. We played better in Yankee Stadium than we did in Fenway as, as as hitters with power. And and you know, you guys, Bucky had other than Reggie, uh, didn't have home run power uh, per se. Uh, Nettles, you know, would uh, generate uh, some power. Uh, but you know, our team was suited at, for Yankee Stadium in that ballpark with the power that we had. And then I was surprised that Haywood picked Boston to play the playoff game uh, in Boston. Not saying, uh, cause we played you guys better in Yankee stadium. Than I'm we pretty did sure someone would get stadium. killed if you chose to play that game right. on the road though, even if. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, George, George started screaming at, at the general manager because he picked uh, heads instead of picking tails. <laughs> Everybody picks tails, you know, I, I I remember that, but you know, to tell you the truth, you're right. If if we would have been in Yankee Stadium, the ball uh, Fred Lynn hit in the I think the third or fourth inning, you know, that ball would have been gone. That's the one that Pinella made a great catch right. on and right, right in the sun. But uh, but you're right. Uh, I mean, with your, with your left-handed power, but your lineup was so good. I mean, you know, Rice and Freddie Lynn and Yastrzemski, and I mean, you just you guys just could could really pound the baseball. Yeah, yeah, they did. And, um, you know, it was it was two of the best teams in baseball, uh, you know, those two years, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees. And, uh, of course, the Dodgers 
you can't take anything away from them. They had a great team uh, and good defensive team. And, uh, you know, those two years at uh, the 77, 78, the Yankees, I knew they, they could win again. And I, and I was a little concerned because I said, you know, they got, some, even though I knew that they'd been hurt, I said, they still have that feeling that they can win any time to get on the field. You know, that's You're right. And, uh, and that's what happened to you guys. And then, of course, you know, we kind of struggled with our pitching uh, the second half when, uh, like I said, they took out Bill Lee out of the rotation. That's where I feel. And looking back, it, I always have said that because they took Billy out of the rotation, we ended up losing it. Now, the day of the game, you know, the big game, you know, we, uh, you know, people always ask me what I'm feeling, what I was feeling, what we were feeling, you know, uh, what what was your guys feeling? I mean, you guys won on Sunday, so you're coming off a high because Tion shut out uh, Toronto. We lost. Right. But, uh, I mean, you know, you guys were kind of high. Well, we were uh, happy as hell that we got a chance, at least a chance to to uh, you know, come back and and you know a one game playoff. And then, of course, me pitching it, uh, I was all uh, jacked up. I mean, I was, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't scared. I was excited, you know, because I knew it's <laughs> it's a big game. And, right. Uh, so I said, "Wow!" I said, "Well, let me give, give it the best I get. That's all I can do." And uh, actually, you know, like I said, everybody, and when I give up the home run to you in this, and you know, after this season and everything, people started booing me because I gave up you the home run, you know, to you the three runners. Right. So I said, well, I pitched a good game, you know, if uh, through seven innings I shut you out. I was in the right, you know, two outs in the seventh inning, and that's when you hit that, you know, that little three runner. And uh, I'm right. like, shoot, I said, what the hell they. But they, you know, and I went to a to basketball game, a Celtic game, and they announced me that I was in this boo. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what but, the hell is this? You know, Boston fans are tough. There's no question about it. <laughs> you know, I'm choosing my words carefully here because uh, I don't want to <laughs> offend Buck in any way. But, Mike, you make it through some just incredible bats in that Yankees lineup. It's, it's a rough situation because you have two guys on, but. What is, what is your thought process as Bucky comes up in the seventh inning? What is your plan for that at bat? Well, I knew that I was going to uh, crowd him, crowd him in off the plate inside, get him thinking inside, slider him away. And that's what I was uh, thinking. I said, well, because I never really – never had any problem with Bucky. If he's going to hit uh, hit me, usually it was a single or, you know, he, he would uh, get his base hit, you know. Uh, sparingly I'm like I don't know what yeah what you ever hit off of me but uh I I wasn't uh, like I said worried at that time I felt I could uh control it but uh you know when you fouled off the ball off your thing I the next pitch and I should have thrown a couple pitches just to kind of keep myself because I had a really good rhythm I felt good and I was hitting my spots where I wanted to so and then when you came back and you got that cork bat, and you and you, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mickey gave you that cork bat. So anyway, I, I, I try to I try to come in on you, and the ball stayed a little bit middle too much. And, uh, and then because the next pitch, I knew I was gonna throw a slider down and away off of you, and you know, so I didn't get to get right. that pitch uh, in my repertoire. But you know, you hit that uh, to fly ball out to left field. And when I saw Yaz hitting his glove, I thought it was there. And I said, gee, the ball kept carrying. I went, God, darn, that damn ball went out. <laughs> so, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. they, the ball was juiced, man. Yeah. The ball was the juiced. Ball was juiced. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, I went, but, oh my God. But, you know, we came back, you know, we came back as a team and had yeah. our chances to win that game. You know, Yaz uh, with the guys on base and, you know, just get a base hit, Yaz here. And um, they, they don't boo him, they booed me. <laughs> but it was one of the greatest games. It was one of the greatest games, I think, that I was ever involved in, even though it it wasn't the World Series. It was the just the intensity, the feeling that, uh, you know, to win. I think it was one of the greatest games that anyone was right. ever involved with. I don't think that uh, that's limited to simply you there. Yeah, yeah. And Pinella actually, Pinella saved the game. Um, I mean, he he made a great play in the third inning, and then in the you know in that one inning, uh, he stopped Burleson from going to third. You know, on that fly ball um, to right field, it hit, and he lost it to Sun. But actually, Lou really did a tremendous job. He he saved that because. You know, if Burleson would have went to third, Rice hit a ball deep enough that would have scored and would have tied the game up. It would have been a different ball game. Bucky, I kind of alluded to this before. You know, you guys play this, you know, this epic game against each other after being teammates and, and winning a world championship together in 77. You know, you hit one of the biggest home runs, obviously, in, in history off of Mike. Mike plays, has some great years with the Red Sox. After that, you play for the Yankees, you know, for – uh, you know, several more years, your careers end somewhere along the way, you know, kind of like the ultimate odd couple forms this friendship guys who are linked in history, but not together, you know, linked as, as opponents, I guess you could say. Um, and actually love to hear both of your perspectives on, you know, when the friendship started, you know, after your careers and, you know, just kind of how that, that went. I know you guys did some events together and, and, uh, I always talk about, you know, all the pictures I've taken with, with guys I've interviewed. You know, one of my favorite photos is taking a picture with the two of you guys at Bucky's Golf Tournament, just because it's such a such a rare, almost piece of history, if you will. But if you guys can just talk about that unique friendship that you have. Well, you know, for me, you know, it's easy. We were teammates. You know, we played together. We won a world championship together in this like baseball, like Mike says, baseball moves on and he moved on to Boston and, you know, finished, uh, you know, a great career. And, uh, you know, I, I wound up leaving in 84, you know, I hurt my leg playing in Texas and I wound up, you know, getting released in 84 and I came back and finished up with Kansas city. Um, and I don't really remember after where we ran into each other. I know we started doing some events together, but I don't know how many years because I started managing in the minor leagues and then I went to New York to manage it and I went on to coach but I don't really remember when when it was that we got back together but you know it was probably you know I would say a little frosty at the beginning but over the years you know I mean Mike has been such a class guy I mean you know it, it just happened to be that he was on the mound and I was the hitter in, in one of the biggest games in in history like Bobby Thompson and Ralph Branca you know I say we're a lot like them we're we became great friends and we do a lot of things together, but actually I don't remember how long it was after that game that um, we actually saw each other and started, you know, doing events. You know, but I think it was when uh, they took that picture of the home run and me pitching it to you. That's when it started. We started getting together. Uh, they had some card shows and they wanted us to sign the photo. Right. And that's where we became good friends. We laughed about it. Yep. 
And, you know, we joked about it. And I was telling you, because Bucky, I told you that Mickey told me he gave you a cork bat. <laughs> that was an old-timer's day. <laughs> that was an old-timer's day. I'll never forget, you know, we came back for old-timer's day. And Mickey came over to me, and, and Mike was standing a little bit down. And we were talking to somebody. And somebody had just broke a bat and got caught for, you know, a cork bat. And, uh, and, and so I looked at Mickey, and I go, hey, Mickey. Would it be funny if you told Mike that that bat you gave me was cork? And Mike goes, oh, I knew something was wrong. I knew that bat was cork, you know. And we, we started laughing, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was. That, hey, that was whether, whether it was cork or not, he still had a hit. Or that's right. You know. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, about, what, 10 years later after that game, uh, I had my baseball school going, and we built a little Fenway. Um, that's right. Called, that's right. Uh, Mrs. Jockey, we wanted to redo a field. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we built a miniature Fenway park for the kids? And so we built the wall and we restaged that event that night. We had about 3000 people in that day in the afternoon. I hadn't hit in a long time. I said, I better go out and try and see if I can hit one over this dead gum wall. And I, <laughs> and I kept hitting and hitting and I finally hit one. But when, uh, Mike was so gracious to come down with Rivers and Rick Cerrone. We had about 3,000 people that night. I get up there, and I'm nervous as heck because I don't know if I can hit one out. And about the fourth pitch, I hit one, and the crowd and everybody, you know, went crazy. And then we turned around, and I pitched to Mike, and damn if he didn't hit one out, and the crowd went crazy again. So he got revenge on me, too. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, and it was a great memory. And uh, they can never take it away from us, right, Buck? They can't. They can't take it away. But, uh, you know, I've always said over the years, you've been so – such a class guy and, and, and such a gracious guy about, about that ball game. And, you know, and it's, it's just a shame that it was just one game. And, um, you know, and like I say, it was like Bobby Thompson and Ralph Branca. You know what? I mean, uh, you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, what if, you know, if I didn't go up the home run, you know, we've continued into the world series, what would have happened? You know, all those crazy things. You just never know. I agree with you. And you know what I think is really kind of ironic and amazing is like you talk about, you know, Bucky getting permission to to make a Fenway Park in, in Delray Beach. Um, I think I would have been a little less nervous had I known that story when I was trying to get permission to bring you back to Fenway Park in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little less skeptical. But, you know, it's what's amazing is, you know, the Red Sox were so gracious to us that day bringing us back to bringing you back to Fenway Park so that I could do a story for of all, you know, publications, Yankees magazine about you in Fenway Park returning to the, to the park. And you got permission to do this thing in Delray Beach. You know, it's even more, I don't know, you know, ironic or, or kind of jarring in a way, you know, that they haven't brought you back, Mike, a guy who won, like you said, 60 games for their organization. Al, have you never heard about uh, the chip that Boston people have from their shoulder? Is this the first time you're learning about that? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I understood it, but I, I, like I said, it's still jarring to me because of, you know, they've embraced Bucky Dent, who I always call public enemy number one in that city. Right. I think there are some books you can read about yeah, this. But, you know, they, they, did that with, they did that with Buckner and, uh, and Mookie Wilson, you know, when, when the ball went through Buckner's. I mean, it was a long time before he finally could get, you know, get back there. And they, they invited him back and they gave him a standing ovation. So, you know, um, I'm hoping that, you know, one day that the uh, Red Sox will kind of light, lighten up. Well, they should, they should invite you and I back, Bucky. Uh, just so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. 
I don't care about getting booed. I like, I like, you know, I'd like being out there having yeah. fun anyway. With yeah, we, we always have fun at all times. Even I, if I was to get booed, I said, hey, what the hell? You, uh, you know, I was in the big leagues. You guys weren't. But, <laughs> well, one good thing, you can come back to Yankee Stadium. They always cheer you there, pal. <laughs> because, oh, you know, they, know. they're Yankee hey. fans, remember. And, uh, you know, like I said, you've always been so gracious and such a class guy. And, you know, uh, I just want to thank you for spending this time talking baseball, you know, because uh, we go back a long way and we've been friends for a long time. And I know you got a golf game to go to. So, uh, and, I know, you yeah. know, and, and I miss you, pal. I haven't seen you in a while. And I know. We got to get together. We'll get together. You're, you're in Florida. I, we just got to drive three hours up or three hours down. So that's all. Yeah. So we'll try to get, we'll try to get together. Say hi to Ann. I, I and, sure will. Uh, we'll, try to get together okay with you guys and thank you guys for having me on well thanks for coming on pal pretty good yeah that was fun yeah that was fun i mean you talked about some some really interesting things he really does uh-huh. that that story in um that the red sox never brought him back i just i'll stop I, talking about it but i can't believe that like, that is crazy he, i mean he said Gosh. that to me. He said that to me a few years ago, and I looked at him, and my draw just dropped. I said, "Are you yeah. kidding me?" I mean, Bucky, I just think about that day when we were there, and like just how much it changed. And you know, I mean, I always I have so many like crazy memories from that day. But like being in like the in like their front office, and and they're bringing my son souvenirs, and he's right. sitting there with you, and I'm like. Right. You know, it was just so – it's so crazy to think that. I mean, they've embraced everything. Roger Clemens, Wade Boggs. Yep. You name yep. it. You know, yep. like – You know, the funny thing is, though, like, it's, it's kind of like we were saying before. It, I, th- I think it's – it's th- there's a before and after when it comes to the Red Sox. You know, there's everything pre-2004 and post-2004. So I, I guess as much as I kind of poked fun at your comment, Al, I'm not surprised at how they reacted pre-2004. Right. I, but, but, but everything's saying, changed since then. That, that's what's strange. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, the, the story I did would never have happened pre-2004. Like, Bucky and I never would have been in Fenway Park in 2003 or whatever before that. Um, but seeing how, like you said, how much has changed. I mean, he's he pitched a great game. He had a great season. He gave up a home run in a hard fought game. He didn't make an error. He didn't do anything like that. And, and his point was, was valid too. The team had every opportunity to come back and nearly did. It was just a hard fought game where, you know, a great pitcher in, a, in an at bat against a great hitter, you know, the hitter won. Okay. Well, hadn't given up, you know, anything to that point. So, you know, a guy who, when you look at Mike Torres's final line in that game, it's really good, except he just didn't win. You know, if Bucky had hit that home run in the first inning, it would have been a different set of circumstances, I guess. Maybe they would have, you know, liked him more or something like that. Well, it it was a great conversation. And, you know, Bucky, I was talking about the way circumstances can change so quickly. That's obviously a big topic in baseball this week as MLB has its draft coming up. And if if you want to talk about just the ultimate in terms of circumstances that you can't control, the draft is really uh, for a player pretty high up on that list i'm just curious real quick as you watch and get ready to see these players these young kids who are going to have their lives changed this week what do you remember from that experience when you went through it well i remember you know my final year of high school you know everybody thought that i was going to play football because i loved football and just so happened that our baseball team was really really good too and um i 
I played uh, three years because I transferred in and I had to sit out a year. But in my senior year, I chose to play baseball. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play baseball. I think I can go a little bit farther. We went on and we won the, the uh, state championship uh, that year. And then the draft came. And I wasn't really thinking about it that much. And all of a sudden, the Cardinals called me and said that they had drafted me and they wanted to talk to me. And I said, okay. So they really came after me. They talked to me a couple times, uh, offered me, you know, actually more money than I signed for. But I felt that I wanted to go to junior college for one year. My junior college coach, Demi Maneri, said, come to junior college and I'll tell you, you'll, you'll be drafted higher next year because people will take you serious for playing baseball. And so that's what I did. And back then they had two drafts. They had a June draft, which I got drafted. And if you didn't sign, you went into the January draft, which is called the secondary phase. So I went into that and the Cardinals drafted me again, number one. And so I wound up playing my, my junior college year and um, I didn't sign with the Cardinals and I wound up getting drafted with the White Sox. Uh, and I wound up signing with the White Sox for less money, but I was ready to play because I played one year junior college and I was ready to go. But it's always an anxious moment. And I'll never forget, you know, the Cardinals used to send guys all the time to watch me play. And it used to make me nervous, to tell you the truth, you know, because I'd see these guys there and I knew why they were there because they, back then they called you, you know, they call you all the time. How you doing? You know, you feeling good? And so um, it was an anxious moment uh, after I realized, you know, that I got drafted once. But uh, I wound up signing and went on and made the right decision with the White Sox. Wound up, you know, going through their organization in three years and playing in the big leagues. Well, it's, it's an awesome uh, couple of days in the calendar. And, you know, I can't, I can't keep saying it every two weeks, but I will, you know, as we wait to figure out what's going to happen and as we kind of wonder what baseball are actually going to be watching – you know, at least the draft comes around and it gives us something to talk about with the sport. So I know that uh, all eyes will be on MLB Network and ESPN and ESPN2, which are showing the draft this year. Bucky Al, that was another great episode. Anytime we can just get any of uh, your former teammates, former opponents on here to talk, it's pretty special. But there's such a bond with you and Mike. And to hear the love that you guys have for each other in that conversation was really special for me. And again, I, you know, every time we do one of these, I just look forward to the next one. I can't wait to get together with you guys in a couple of weeks and uh, start all over. So to the listeners, thank you guys. We hope that you will stick with us if you're just discovering this. Please, you know, subscribe and rate and review us and like us and tell your friends about us. You can go to yankees.com slash podcast to get all previous episodes of Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. Or if you want to listen to the other podcasts on the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network, which is the Yankees Magazine Podcast, I encourage you to do that as well. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Write us letters to podcast at yankees.com. And of course, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by going to yankees.com slash publications. Bucky, Al. Can't wait to do it again in two weeks. Hope you guys are doing well. Thanks so much. Can't wait to do the next one. Hi, this is Adam Adovino. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS.